welcome to Vitally You, a podcast created to introduce you to the tools that will be your roadmap for feeling younger while growing older. I'm your host, Dana Frost, a wellness expert, life coach, and energy medicine practitioner. Here's what you can expect. Conversations about vitality from the inside out with guest experts in the field of health, culture, and spirituality and solo episodes along the way from me where I do deep dives into the topics of aging, heart intelligence, energy medicine, and your innate capacity to heal. If you want to feel younger while growing older, this is the place for you. Hi everyone, this is Dana Frost, your host of the Vitally You podcast. I missed you last week. I have to tell you, some of you may know I was in Brazil on vacation and unfortunately, I returned with a parasite that took me out. I had to take a break after my vacation. On next week's episode, I am going to be sharing more about my trip and parasites, so don't forget to tune in to next week's episode. I am super excited about today's guest, Carol Covino, CEO of Covino Fitness and the creator of Fit and Fierce Program for Women Over 40. I met Carol as a guest on her podcast, Forever Fit, and I'm going to put that episode in the show notes. But as I've engaged with Carol since I met her, I really appreciate her deep knowledge of women's fitness particularly as it is related to longevity and health from the inside out. Now, Carol is certified as an IF45 coach, a personal trainer, a fitness nutrition specialist, and female metabolism coach. She began her career as a group fitness instructor and personal trainer at age 50. She experienced her own transformation from skinny marathon runner to national bikini bodybuilder competitor. Soon, women began asking Carol to help them reach their fitness goals. She later opened a fitness and yoga studio in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and over the past decade, she has helped over a thousand women gain strength and confidence. At age 61, Carol is committed to helping women in perimenopause and menopause gain lean muscle and balance hormones naturally through nutrition and exercise. She wants to globally change the perception of age and menopause for women. I just find Carol to have a charming personality, and I know you are going to enjoy our conversation. Be sure to stay to the very end, because if you're like me, you are going to want to know what are Turkish get-ups and the safest way to begin a results-oriented strength training program at any age and at any fitness level. Please join me in welcoming Carol to the show. Carol, welcome to the Vitally You podcast. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. Thank you so much, Dana. I appreciate you having me on. I've been excited to speak with you today. Yeah, Carol, it's just been so fun to get to know you um, and just see your platform on Instagram. And I've learned so much about your own genius as a fitness guru. And I would love to know, I know this has been you know, your passion and your expertise for many years. Could you tell, share with the community how you came to where you are today? Absolutely. Thank you, Dana. So 
when I was in my 40s going through perimenopause, those years leading up to menopause, I started to see some changes in my body I didn't like. At the time, I was a competitive marathon runner, actually nationally ranked. That was that was my thing. I didn't strength train. And I would run oh, close to 100 miles per week to train for marathons. But what was starting to happen is I was looking in the mirror and I just thought, man, I'm looking older and older and I was losing a lot of muscle tone. And so the running was doing just the opposite of what I thought it would do. And at that point, I hired a trainer, started doing some strength training, saw some changes in my body and went to see a friend in a bodybuilding show at that point. She was in a bikini bodybuilding show. And I was just wowed by the transformation in her body. I'm like, I want that. How do I get that? And at that point, I was turning 50. And so I decided to do my first bodybuilding show just to get into that kind of shape, that sort of fitness level. I don't think I expected it to go anywhere from there. I just had this goal. So went through the whole process, did the show, made a transformation and was just hooked at that point. So continued to compete in, in bodybuilding. In fact, I did my, is it my 16th show last summer, and I'm 61 years old, so I've been doing this now over 10 years. But what was so great about that journey was it opened doors for me. So first of all, being a huge introvert and kind of a shy person, just to get up on stage in this sparkly bikini and uh, go through all of the posing was a stretch for me, and it gave me confidence. It made me realize that there were other things that I could do. There were other goals that I could reach. From there, I started training women, personal training, teaching, and I was already teaching fitness classes at that point, expanded on that. That led to coaching. Then in my early 50s, in and around 53, I started to have some profound symptoms that turned out to be autoimmune, turned out to be rheumatoid disease, and had to go on treatment kind of changed the trajectory of things. I had a serious back injury right on the tail of that diagnosis. And that kind of shifted my perspective into coaching, if that makes sense, because I began to realize, okay, this is about more than looking good. This is about health. It's about longevity. And that has just continued to grow in my coaching practice where, yes, we want to look great. That's that's one of the, the cool things about weightlifting and dialing in that nutrition is, you know, putting on a swimsuit, putting on the pair of shorts and, and looking fantastic at our age or any age. But the longevity piece, the quality of life piece was what was missing with my coaching until I went through that personal experience of being diagnosed and realizing, okay, I've got to back up here and really look at the root cause, what got me here to getting rheumatoid. And then it's just grown from there. Carol, that is so interesting. I find that those crises moments really become a defining moment for most women. And so often it does happen in between the ages of like 45 and 65. And 
Can you just share, like, what were some of the root causes that you discovered underneath your diagnosis? Well, I looked back, you know, that old saying, hindsight is twenty twenty vision, and it's, it's very true. I looked back and realized I had the symptoms of autoimmune in starting in my mid-40s, right after I lost my parents. I lost my mom to heart failure, and then six months later, my dad was living with us, and he passed away from cancer. And that crisis, I feel like it tipped me over the edge that combined with my eating habits, I just, I had no awareness of how to eat, what to eat, the effects of ultra processed foods on our bodies. I wasn't getting enough protein. I was eating, you know, way too many processed foods and being a runner, I felt like I could get away with it. It's like, okay, I can go out and run 20 miles and run this off. So my eating habits and then the lack of sleep, I wasn't sleeping well, the stress I put myself under and raising three kids, losing two parents, I didn't honor my hormones. I didn't honor the changes in my body. I didn't realize that there was this time bomb ticking. So when I was diagnosed, they told me this is a slow moving case of RA. You've probably had it a very long time. So I do believe the root causes in my mind were chronic stress, you know, just really literally running myself into the ground, not sleeping and not eating correctly. Yeah, well, you touched on the three variables for so many women that impact almost every woman I meet in midlife, starting in their 40s. And, you know, it's so easy to negate the role of stress and how we perceive stress in our life. And when you think about being an ultra, in essence, kind of an ultra marathoner, if you ran, you know, multiple marathons, that's such a, that the body reads out as stress, right? And so not only the emotional stress, but then you were taking a toll on your body physically as well. The body eventually raises its hand and says, hey, look at me, I'm here and you're going to have to deal with me. Oh, that's so true. You put that so well, Dana. I think too, even past trauma tends to rear its head at that midpoint of life. And particularly, I know for me, once my kids were starting to move out of the house, my son had decided to go into the Navy, that all collided with that diagnosis. And I, I just look back and realize that I was put, not only was I putting myself under stress, not eating well, not sleeping, but I also wasn't dealing with past trauma. And I, I see this so much coaching women. It's something that I've seen arise again and again. Something that they've pushed to the back suddenly is in the forefront when we go through menopause. Absolutely. And I say that, honestly, the first thing that you need to look at is what are you carrying in your backpack, in your purse? What is it? What are the emotional things that you haven't looked at yet from your history that is asking? I think that, um, and I've had a few podcasts on this. That's, I think that energetically, it's why we wake up in the middle of the night during menopause, because that's when our conscious mind is more quiet 
and the things that have happened can rise to the surface. Our defenses, our protective mechanisms are laid to rest. The world is quiet. The outside voices are quiet. And, and then we wake up and there is what I have found. It is an invitation to be really curious about what am I thinking about and what am I feeling and what's wanting to be seen at this midnight hour? Yes, that's very true. That's something I hear from the women I work with and experience myself is it's those wee hours of the night where you suddenly come wide awake and I call it going down the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Like your brain just starts. I don't know. When I was in perimenopause, I would have this sense of doom and gloom sometimes. Mm -hmm. Wake up in the middle of the night and just start ruminating over every little thing that could go Mm -hmm. wrong. And it'd be like, what is wrong with me? Why am I doing this? But it is, I think our body is speaking to us, our mind saying, hey, over here, you need to deal Mm -hmm. with this past trauma or this stress in your life. Well, one of the things I've been witnessing on social media, and it's one of the reasons I love social media is because it does connect us with so many different kinds of people and what they're going through, what they're experiencing. And I've really noticed this strength training trend and actually bodybuilding as well. You mentioned that you were a bodybuilder trend among women our age, women of midlife. And it's really fascinating to me. And so I had a nutrition colleague on in December, Janelle Anderson, who shared that her research showed that your muscles are your longevity organ. And I was like, oh my goodness, it just really struck a chord with me. And I wanted to talk about strength training on the podcast because I think it is, you know, one of the power plays for women as we age. I remember in one of my gynecological appointments, she said she she recommended strength training. She said the most important thing you can do is strength training. And what I'm witnessing in myself is the need to take it to the next level, to actually make it hard instead of like what I've been doing is strength training, using my body, making sure I'm moving all my muscles, functional training, which I think is important. But what I'm understanding, and I would love for you to talk to us about this idea that we actually need to make the strength training hard. So there's a lot of resistance with the muscles. And it's not that we all need to be bodybuilders, but maybe you could speak, you know, talk to us a little bit about strength training women for longevity. Oh, absolutely. I'm so passionate about this. You know, as I mentioned, when I first started the journey, I was just more focused on how good can I look at the age of 50? Then it became apparent to me, wow, muscle really is the organ of longevity, as Dr. Gabriel Lyons always refers to. You know, first of all, it is the first place that we get insulin resistance, So when we go through menopause and we lose the protection of estrogen, we start to lose testosterone, that muscle mass drops. And if we don't do something about it, we're losing it at a rapid rate. So we start losing muscle at about 1% more or less. It just depends on the individual. Per year in our 40s, we lose our strength at double that rate and we lose our power and speed at double that rate. So with strength training, 
when we are putting on muscle, that is allowing a place for glucose to be used. So when we're eating, glucose rises, blood sugar rises, the hormone insulin comes in to mop up the mess. And what can happen when we lose that muscle is we become insulin resistant. So insulin can no longer do its job. Blood sugar is chronically high or dysregulated. We get those highs and those lows. When we have the muscle, we have that protection because the muscle is going to use that excess glucose. It's like a sink. It's like a sponge, just mopping that up. And that is apart from insulin. It can do that apart from the hormone insulin. So it's important in that respect. And then, of course, strength as we age. It's a protection from falls. It's a protection from the loss of bone density, which is something that accelerates at age 50 when we lose estradiol, which is one of the three types of estrogen that our body produces. It's the preferred type of estrogen. When we lose that protection, we lose muscle, we lose strength, we lose bone. So it's absolutely a non-negotiable for women. But I agree with you, sometimes we don't push ourselves hard enough. Strength training is definitely not jumping around the room with, with pink dumbbells like <laughs> back in the, the days of the Jane Fonda videos. We have to take it to that progressive overload. And that is the point where we force a stimulus to the muscle. We force an adaptation. So if we are putting enough resistance, enough intensity into the workout, our bodies have an adaptation and that's when we get stronger. That's when the muscle grows. And so I see that as something that's missing because it's so easy to go to the gym and your mind wanders about your grocery list or what you have to do. And pretty soon you're just going through the motions or you're not lifting heavy enough or not taking it close to that point of muscular fatigue and failure, which is how we get stronger. Okay, this is really interesting. So I love what you're saying because, Carol, you are bringing state of presence to the workout. And I'm guessing like that even like when you're when you're really in this strength training mode, I'm guessing you're probably not listening to a podcast or music. You're probably being really attentive and putting all of your attention into the loading that muscle. Is that right? Absolutely. If I do have anything in my ear, it's something a little mundane that's not distracting. And then I will wear the the headphones just because I don't want people to, it sounds terrible, but interrupt me in the middle of a set. <laughs> so I'll have the big <laughs> headphones on like, hey, <laughs> I can't hear you. Um, but yeah, you do have to bring that focus. And I've started even putting aside the phone because the phone is a distraction. And if you're looking for your music, you're looking for the next podcast, you are not focusing on that session. And it requires, it does require focus to get to that intensity. We can't just go through those motions or be distracted. Wow. This is really interesting to me because I think that it really requires, I mean, I'm talking to myself, it requires a step up to a new level of self-care. Yes, it is self-care because what we're doing is it's like putting 
It's like investing or putting money in the bank for your future. We do that with our finances. We don't do it with our bodies. And looking at longevity and more importantly, quality of life, health span, because yes, medicine can keep us alive, but we want those years to be quality years. We have to put that time into the bank. We have to have that muscle and strength. And even things like speed and power, women don't think about. They don't think about training for that because we lose those quick twitch muscles and that's what prevents a fall. I have a client who is in the medical field. She's a practitioner and she's, she works with mostly elderly clients. And she said that is what she sees. They can't brace for a fall or they can't get up and down from a chair because that's using those quick twitch muscle fibers. And you don't think about those, but we lose them at an accelerated rate, even faster than we lose that muscle. So having those components, training a little bit of speed and power, doing the resistance training while keeping up our endurance and our cardiovascular, it's all of the things. And it doesn't have to mean two hours in a gym every day. There's a way to achieve that balance. What would be an example of training for the quick twitch muscles? I've never heard that. And I'm not at like, I'm not, I've never been a physical trainer. That's, you know, the fit I work really, I work a lot in nutrition and emotional well-being. So what are the quick twitch muscles or not, not the specific muscles, but how would we train the quick twitch muscles? So if you think of the slow twitch, and women tend to have more of those than men. So women tend to be very good at endurance, those long runs, those long cycling trips. That's going to be your slower twitch muscles. Your fast twitch is more of a quick, powerful move. We don't think of standing up from a chair as that, but that's exactly what that is, or up from the floor. We're using those quick twitch muscles. So basically, to train them, we need to do, and it doesn't need to be a lot. It could be 10 minutes at the beginning of your workout, two or three times a week. It could be jump rope. It could be hopscotch, a medicine ball toss up against a wall, something that requires a quick response. Box jumps, if you can do so safely. And I use the boxes that are the kind of the soft spongy ones. And then I just choose a level that I know I can safely do, you know, jump up on the box, step back down. And that can be a little intimidating in the beginning because we think, oh, you know, I don't want to hurt myself. I don't want to do plyometrics. But having just a little bit of this, and it doesn't have to be straight 10 minutes of jump rope. It's maybe jump rope for 30 seconds, rest for a minute and a half. You're just training that quick response. That's so interesting. I think so often, even though we're talking about, you know, making the strength training harder in essence is everything that I'm hearing before my conversation with you and from a few other people. It doesn't have to be like, I think about my power plate that I use on a daily basis and their research for bone density. I was really surprised to learn how quickly the exercises, I could move through the exercises on a daily basis to support bone density. So even, you know, I think when you, you know, like you said, you could literally do 30 seconds of jump roping. These are attainable things 
there are attainable exercises that we can do and we can start small and then work titrate our way to making it more and more difficult. Absolutely. And there are so many resources out there. Dr. Andy Galpin, excellent resources. Man's knowledge on exercise and longevity is incredible. That's Dr. Andy Galpin, G-A-L-P-I-N. And so he has a YouTube channel. He has some wonderful suggestions for safe ways to get those plyometrics in, regardless of your age. I mean, obviously we have to make adjustments, but there's a lot of resources out there. It doesn't have to be some insane, you know, box jump to box jump, like like I used to do when I did the boot camps back in the day. It can just be a little dose, you know, your warm up before a workout, or if you don't have a jump rope, just going through the jump rope motion, for example. Yeah. And something you said earlier is something I've worked on a lot is getting up and down from the floor. And this comes from for the past, I think it's been five years that I've been doing Kayut yoga and we're being down on the floor and doing things on the floor and standing up and all the transitions I have found to, to be incredibly helpful in terms of feeling like I am functional in my body. Even just doing squats on a daily basis. It's amazing how that just seems to really build strength into the system. Yes. And you hit it on the nose with functional. That's really what we're after here. And getting up and down from the floor, I know that's a test that my nurse practitioner will use with older people that they should be able to get up without, you know, bracing with both hands and holding on to something and pulling themselves up. So just doing things like Turkish get-ups and they, they have all kinds of variations of Turkish get-ups and Turkish Turkish sit-ups, that you can practice that motion and gradually be able to get up from, you know, a lying position all the way to a standing position with minimal, minimal assistance. What is a Turkish get-up? I've never heard that word. <laughs> it's, it's something usually done with a kettlebell, but you can do it with a dumbbell. And it's kind of hard to explain, but you're, you're lying on the floor and you have your knees bent typically, you can have them straight or bent, and then you have one arm out to the side and you've got your arm overhead and you can do it with no weight in the beginning. And from there, you go through a progression where you gradually just use the one arm to come to a seated position upright and then to a standing position. It uses a lot of core strength and stability and balance. And like I said, it, it can be something you do with no weight. But if you go on to say YouTube, there's so many different variations of that Turkish getup. Almost anyone can find one to begin with, they have the half Turkish getup where all you're doing is coming from the lying down position to the upright seated position all the way to the full Turkish getup all the way up upright standing. Oh, that is wonderful. I'm going to look that up. So Carol, if someone's just, let's talk about the beginner, where would you have them start out and how often each week are we talking about? Well, research shows that women in midlife, women over 50, can get results with as little as two strength training sessions per week. And I have clients on that 
regimen. It's anywhere from two to four. It depends upon their, their goals and their experience. But for the beginner, two times per week, full body. And I really recommend going to a gym and using the machines because the machines are the safest place to start. When you're using dumbbells and barbells, that's actually more advanced because with dumbbells, you've got that differentiation between, you know, your left and your right. Most of us will be stronger with one arm. So for instance, you're doing an overhead press. It can be a little shaky. One arm's weak, one arm's strong probably something you've experienced, I experienced in the beginning, a barbell takes some strength and stability. So with clients, when I used to personal train years ago, I was a fan of putting them on a machine-based circuit where the machine puts them into a fixed position and they're less likely to get injured and they can build that strength and then graduate to the dumbbell and the barbells. Okay, that's a great suggestion. It's actually what my husband has told me he, because I just do my own thing in my home and he was like, you really should go to the gym and use the machines for that exact reason. And he goes, yeah. So I, I love that you highlighted that. I think that's really important. So two times a week, and I can tell you the time in my life when I was the strongest, I was living in Brazil and I had a personal trainer who is a very dear friend of mine. We worked out twice a week she guided me and it was an hour, you know, one hour, twice a week. And I, I actually created a lot of really good muscle tone and felt very strong. So I like that you're saying that. So it doesn't necessarily just because, you know, I'm now decades older, it doesn't mean that that wouldn't be enough in terms of doing a harder strength training workout. Oh, it could be more than enough. I've even seen results with two 30 minute sessions per week. That was my preference when I personal trained. I moved away from the hour-long sessions. I even had clients say they preferred the 30 minutes because they knew mentally, psychologically, okay, I can do that. I can commit to 30 minutes. That's that's doable. Okay. And if you're moving it along and focused in that 30 minutes, I, I could do seven to eight exercises with the clients within a 30-minute period. Well, that's encouraging. Okay. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and then for somebody who, you know, has been working out and more of an intermediate person, what is your recommendation? I like to use reps in reserve or RPE, rate of perceived exertion. And what that is, is let's say your rate of perceived exertion is seven and you are going to reps of 10, what that would mean, it's a little bit difficult to explain, what that would mean is that reps in reserve, you could maybe get out three more. So that would be kind of an intermediate level. And eight would be maybe you could squeeze out two more. So when I'm doing a set, I'm asking myself as I'm nearing the conclusion of the set, how many more reps can I get out? So you're not taking it to complete failure where everything breaks apart. You're asking yourself feasibly, how many more could I do? And you should be a little shaky. You should feel that fatigue. What I see is people say they're going to that level, but then they're putting down the weights really just shy of that. That's really interesting. And I'll go back to something I said early in our conversation, Carol, and that is the importance of bringing state of presence to the workout. 
Because if you're looking at perceived exertion, you, you actually have to be paying attention. It's so easy for us to be distracted and have our mind go elsewhere. And so if we're really, you know, committed to this purposed strength training for longevity, we're also, we're not just working our body. We're actually bringing our whole system, our mind and our emotions. And so we're really going to be getting the synergistic effect across the system. Yes, absolutely. There's that old saying about put your mind in the muscle. And of course, you can't feasibly put your mind in your muscle. But there is some truth to that. When, for instance, I'm doing a seated row, I'm really squeezing those back muscles, you know, a little bit of my biceps because I'm pulling and I am closing my eyes a lot of time, imagining that muscle firing up. If I'm working my glutes, I'm doing the same thing. I'm contracting my glutes. If I'm working my biceps, I'm contracting. Without that contraction, we can't get the adaptation. We can't get the stimulus to take it to the next level. So something common I'll see is people just very quickly doing a bicep curl, just going through the motions. And if you look at the bicep, it's not even contracting. They're moving. They're moving the, the weight from point A to point C and back again. But weight training, resistance training is more than just moving weight around. It's really feeling that activation of the muscle. I love that, Carol. I feel like there's so much wisdom in what you've shared with us today. I love it. I think this has just been such a wonderful conversation. And I want to thank you for sharing your genius with us, Carol. And I always end this conversation with, what does feeling younger while growing older mean to you? Oh, wow. I love that question. It's being able to step into your purpose. That's what it means to me. And you can't step into your purpose. And I feel we, we all have a purpose. It's not too late. We're not too old. We're not too young. We're not too anything. But we can't step into that purpose in midlife and beyond. And when I say midlife, I'm talking 50, 60 and beyond. We can't do that if we don't have our health, our strength, if, if we're weak, if we're insulin resistant, if we're pre-diabetic, how can we really step into that purpose? And so in order to age well and to feel, to feel good, to feel young as we age, we really need that strength. We really need that good sound nutrition, the sleep, the quality of the sleep, the stress management, all of the things in order to do that. And I believe that midlife is the optimum time to step into that purpose. Kids are grown perhaps out of the house. Maybe we're looking at a different career at that point. That is the time to write that book, to uh, do that TED Talk or whatever it is. That's the time, but we need to feel good for it. I love that. Yes, we do. We have to bring all of who we are forward, I feel like. And that's what I hear you saying. It's not just strength training. We've got to bring all, we've got to bring the body forward. We have to bring the emotion, our emotional self, our soul and our mind. We have to bring it all forward together. And when one link is weak, the whole system is weak. And so I really 
am so inspired. Um, and it is one, like when I think about my goal for 2023, it's strength training. So this conversation has been really inspiring and you've added some things for me to think about for myself. So thank you so much, Carol. Thank you for being on the Vitally You podcast. Thank you, Dana. I appreciate so much. And I enjoyed our conversation today. Wasn't that an awesome conversation? I cannot wait to just begin my strength training regimen. I started and then I stopped because of my vacation and then I had parasites. So I am just ready to begin and super inspired by this conversation. Don't miss the link in the show notes for Carol's digital book, The Hormone Healthy Recipe Guide. And I hope you'll join me next week to learn about parasites and travel and what you can do if you ever find yourself in my situation. Please make my heart sing and subscribe if you haven't. Download, hit the share button, leave a review if you have not yet done so. That is so helpful in just scooting my podcast along the podcast traffic jam. As always, I am streaming love from my heart to yours.